Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. What a rainy day, but you know what? There's nothing wrong with having 40-degree weather in February. <laughs> I will take it. It felt downright spring-like. So I hope that you are happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are right now. Uh, coming up on the show, we have Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area, our friend from Wisconsin who keeps us up to date on what's going on in their political landscape there. In particular, this very important Supreme Court race. They are uh, first having a primary to decide who will be on the ballot later in the year. And uh, we want to make sure we are helping them out as much as we can because it will determine whether or not Wisconsin goes back to pre-Civil War laws regarding the health of women and their reproductive rights and their autonomy. It will also determine whether or not they can claw back the massive gerrymandering, which has made them the most gerrymandered state in the country. So those are just two of the things. And of course, as always, workers' rights, voters' rights. Uh, We want to make sure that we're not disenfranchising or continue to expand the disenfranchisement of poor people, of people of color, of women. So let's work on helping them out. Coming up at 6 o'clock, we'll also talk to one of the candidates for the 41st Ward Aldermanic Race. Uh, That'll be Paul Strubing is going to join us in studio. Yesterday, we talked to one of the candidates from the 40th Ward, and I know we got a couple texts uh, regarding that race, and I did reach out to Alderman Andre Vasquez, and he said he would love to come on. So uh, believe me, uh, folks, and everybody's invited. I'm not inviting any candidates on. I, you know, there are 50 races, and if candidates want to reach out and they want to come on the show, we would love to have them. If you have a candidate you would like us to reach out to specifically, let me know. And so, so far, all the candidates that you've heard have uh, reached out to the show and said, I would love to share my message. Um, I, I just, I can't reach out to over 100 different candidates and uh, ask. I just, I, I this is not. <laughs> so we, we hung out with Christian yesterday. Today, we'll hang out with Paul. And uh, that one I'm interested in as well because, well, in general, I'm interested in all these races because the local races are the, the ones that will impact you directly. The more local we, we have these conversations and pay attention to those races, the more it really makes a difference, whether it's what your neighborhood looks like in regards to the streets, uh, whether they're paved and whether or not the garbage is picked up or, you know, just the, the day in and day out mechanics of, uh, of of what it means to be an older person and fighting for you in City Hall, for bringing revenue to your your neighborhood, for supporting education, uh, supporting small business owners. That's one of the things that Christian was talking about yesterday. What are we doing in regards to public transportation and uh, cycling safety in the city of Chicago? Pedestrian, really it's pedestrian safety. And I've been thinking about this a lot since I started work, talking to the, our friends at Better Streets Chicago. And uh, we really have become, I get it. People, we love our cars. Uh, we love sitting in our cars and listening to a radio show, maybe like driving it home with me. But we've also become anti-pedestrian. If someone's in the street and 
Like we get people speed up and, and I like I'm not I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I've made mistakes as far as like my attitude towards all oh, these cyclists. I wish they would get out of the way and you get anxious because you're in a hurry somewhere. And I know that I need to plan my day better to make sure that either I can take public public transportation. I mean, Metra is it really is the way to fly. Lady B, I came home from work one day and uh, I grabbed a can of Chardonnay at v- v- Ogilvy. And I was like, I'm drinking wine on the train. This is, come on. On Metra, you are allowed to have, a, come on, folks. I mean, you don't have to have that, but maybe, you know, you have your, you know, you have your, your tablet and you put in some headphones and it's a nice, it's a nice ride if you can do that. I was also on the blue line recently and yeah, someone was smoking on my car. You know, one guy got up and started yelling at him. I got up and went to another car. <laughs> I mean, there are choices you can make. So uh, I'm just, I, I really think we need to focus on those parts of transportation and our streets, our sidewalks that we have given up over way too much to our car ownership. Uh, we need to be mindful of that. And I'm, I'm interested in talking to more candidates about that and not just talking to candidates, but uh, being a part of the conversation and part of the solution going forward as well. So those, uh, those are just a couple of things that, that I'm thinking about. What is on your mind, folks? Are you thinking about maybe how you would spend $50 at Brown Sugar Bakery? Because I have a $50 gift card to give away to Brown Sugar Bakery. You can uh, order some of their incredible treats cupcakes and candies, uh, all kinds of pastries, Uh, really one of the most amazing bakeries in the city of Chicago. You can text, let's see, you know, let's do caramel today. And uh, I know that everybody pronounces caramel different. Do you say caramel? Caramel? You don't, have to, you don't have to tell me, but t- type it the way you think you say it. <laughs> Text caramel the way you pronounce it to 773-763-9278 for your chance to win a gift card from Brown Sugar Bakery right here in Chicago. Woman of color owned. Uh, we're so proud to collaborate with the folks over there. And thank you to our good friend, Jerry Walski, who um, not only collaborates with small business owners all over the city of Chicago, but really helps uh, making sure that you guys know what's coming up on this show. Uh, what's coming up at, uh, you know, events in the neighborhood. Uh, so Jerry is off in North Carolina, hopefully having a lovely trip. And uh, now when folks travel and they go someplace that's warmer, I'm not, I'm not really jealous because uh, uh, yeah, it hasn't been too bad here. I'm, I know I'm gonna, it, it got a little cold and nasty there for a little bit, but you're like, yeah, that's, this seems about right. This is a weather appropriate for Chicago. And uh, so I, uh, I'm glad that Jerry's traveling, and I think it's partly for business. Hopefully, there's some pleasure involved. Again, that number, 773-763-9278. Text Caramel, 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 whatever way you think you pronounce it. Uh, text that. You can, like, accent the, uh, do a capital A if you accent, if you do the Caramel, the first A, car, car, see. I, I change mine every single time, just in case I'm around. Somebody's like, oh, you say caramel like that. So, <laughs> See, everyone. Oh, there we go. Let me see what we got so far with the uh, caramel car. Everyone's, uh, you guys are not, no one is uh, accenting the, and either, just like in, um, you can do it in a, in a big uppercase if you think it's on the first A. Caramel. Do you say caramel? 
Now I want caramel. Isn't that wrong? It's just so sad. So again, uh, we are going to have uh, conversations with our friend Dan Schaefer, with Paul Strubing, and of course with you, 773-763-9278. Uh, more conversations continuing about the uh, State of the Union. I still, I really think he did such a great job laying out what we've done, what we've accomplished in regards to employment and and making sure that prescriptions are affordable, helping with uh, with ch- people who are raising their children in affordable child care infrastructure, all the things that, that have been that, the CHIPS uh, plan. So, look, there's so much going on uh, that we have done, and he laid out where we're going. And I just don't know how you listen to that and go, but he doesn't know what a woman is. Like, that, that's your only answer to things? The woke mob, they want, they want us to worry about pronouns. You're the ones worried about how someone uses a pronoun. That's it. It's, it when someone tells you their pronouns, it's basically like saying, you know, here's how you pronounce my name. This is how I prefer to be addressed. Why does that bother you? Oh, man, I just, people make me want to scream, and uh, I, I should not do that. <laughs> so I uh, I still think that um, the uh, fallout from the State of the Union, the the nastiness, the just yelling and acting like children, especially Marjorie Trader Green. Man, the memes are fantastic. There's one that's not appropriate for me to talk about, but they basically replaced her face in that big furry collar with a, an anatomy and an, 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 a part of the anatomy is, it, that that doesn't it doesn't speak, but it makes sounds. Does that okay? Probably not. <laughs> now you're like, well, I have to go find that one. Uh, really just displaying the fact that the Republicans are not the adults in the room. They are not ready to lead. They're not interested in leading. They're only interested in spreading lies. I didn't realize that Marjorie Trader Green was worth over $40 million. And she's been complaining about how she's not making money in D.C. You're, it's not. I'm sorry. Do people not understand what public service means? Is it? Is it oh, I don't. Cry me a river that you're not making millions more. We don't care. Also want to uh, tell folks, I met with some of my friends from the Chicago Park District yesterday, and the Lifeguard Service is looking for guards. They are, they've changed some of their, uh, it used to be that you had to be full-time. They are now uh, opening it up for part-time work. I want to ask, uh, do I have any friends out there like me? If I had the time and the bandwidth, I was telling my husband today, I was looking at the schedule for the lifeguard training classes. Uh, do I have folks? If you're even if you're retired, if I have any retired friends out there who are like, I'm still a strong swimmer. I would love to work for the Chicago Park District. They are looking for guards of all ages. You guys, it is a fun job. They have cleaned house. They are taking over and taking responsibility and uh, really moving in a direction that I think will benefit uh, communities across the, the city of Chicago. So. If you are interested, make sure that you visit the Chicago Park District's face, their, their Facebook page, their website, and find out where you can take lifeguard classes. And the kids and, the, and adults that are trained as lifeguards are essentially almost like first responders because they, ta- they teach you uh, how, even epinephrine, the, uh, the, the veteran pen. You know, if someone's having an allergic reaction, they teach you how to do that, how to use, how to give CPR, all the first aid classes. Uh, they also teach you waterfront safety. Uh, it's incredible skills to have. And, and I don't think we should think of this as just a kid's job. I know that we do, but it's an incredible job. Uh, if you're working at a beach, 
you get he it's the workout of a lifetime folks you have access to uh to swimming in the lake and rowboating i know i'm not i don't there's probably some folks out there like that does not sound like fun well for the folks who do think it sounds like fun uh please consider uh joining the lifeguard service in chicago because we need our pools and beaches to open this year last year we were only able to open half the beaches and pools and uh, i don't want to see that happen again because it it affects the the future generation of children and adults who enjoy swimming, uh, whether it's to just recreationally or to keep in shape. So please consider that. Oh, we've got to go. I got to. We got to call Dan Schaefer. Lady B, can you call Dan Schaefer? <laughs> Thank you so much. I got to run. I'm late. Sorry, Dan. One moment. Hey, Chicago. I'm Rick Smith, host of The Rick Smith Show. And I want to hear from you every weeknight from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on WCPT AM 820. Call in and be heard as we focus on the issues most important to working America. The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Weeknights, 8 to 10 p.m. right here on WCPT AM 820, home of Chicago's progressive talk. WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. I got carried away talking about the Chicago Park District, and I was like, wait a minute, Dan Schaefer's calling in right now. Hey, Dan Schaefer, how are you doing? Our recombobulation area friend in Milwaukee, how's it going? Doing well, Patty. How are you? I'm all right. I, w- I got carried away because last summer we were only able to open half of our beaches and pools. Actually, I think it was half of our pools. Uh, there's a massive lifeguard shortage all over the country. Are you guys experiencing experiencing this in Wisconsin as well? Yeah, we definitely are. A lot of the Milwaukee County, uh, a lot of the Milwaukee County pools were not able to open last summer either. Hopefully. Hopefully they're able to turn that around this year. I'm trying to encourage my friends. Uh, I'm a retired lifeguard, and by retired, I mean I just I, I had a boyfriend, and I didn't want to go back to the pool and the beaches. <laughs> but uh, but I'm trying to like it's not. We think of it as a teenager's job, but they're trying to recruit some of the guards. Any guard in history, they're like there are people in their 60s and 70s who are like, yeah, I could stand on the pool deck and and throw a ring. I could do that. <laughs> just say whatever it takes, folks. Let's get the kids back out in the pools and the beaches. I know here in Milwaukee County, they're doing a big push for seasonal work. And and that was something that I did when I was a teenager and in college as well. My summer job was coaching t-ball at uh, the parks department in my hometown. Yep. We we need folks to get out there. So aside from that, how are things uh, shaping up? Is is it just a couple weeks from the primary for the the Supreme Court race? Yeah, we are now less than two weeks away uh, from the primary for the spring election in Wisconsin. uh, And I wrote a big piece about the state of the race for the Wisconsin Supreme Court race today. Excellent. Oh, I see this right now. So this is uh, momentum is building for Janet for justice. And how are the conservatives in disarray? Tell us a little more. Yeah, it is. uh, As we get closer and closer to the primary date here, you know, Janet Protasiewicz, the one of the two liberal candidates has been, you know, really building some momentum, getting a lot of endorsements. Uh, today, she got an endorsement from Emily's List. Well, the first time they've endorsed in a judicial race, I guess, apparently in the, in their 38-year history. So, you know, getting some national attention for her as well. But on the conservative side, you know, there is there is a lot of infighting happening uh, between the two candidates, and it is really heating up. And I think the uh, the one of the candidates, Daniel Kelly, who was the former state Supreme Court justice, who was appointed by Scott Walker but lost 
uh, when he ran for a full term in 2020. Uh, he has been really aggressively campaigning against the other conservative, Jennifer Doro, and he has said in multiple events over the past week that he would not be endorsing her if she were to be the conservative to emerge from the primary. Uh, so there has been a lot of you know attacks from the Kelly camp uh, levied at uh, Jennifer Doro, uh, and it is uh, it doesn't seem to be quieting down anytime soon. It's definitely getting to a conservative and disarray uh, type of situation. Uh, and, and it seems like, you know, that would certainly benefit uh, the liberal candidates who have not had the type of infighting uh, that we have seen on the right during this campaign. I find it fascinating when it is, uh, you know, the two, if you're running against your own party, uh, for whatever reason, you know, uh, and, and if you're asked, will you endorse or do you have anything nice, all those different things. And to flat out say that you're not even willing, if you're truly a conservative, uh, you won't endorse or help the candidate in the event that you lose, uh, kind of shows that you, you really aren't uh, running for, to reflect the values of your party necessarily. I don't know if I'm making sense there. Do you know what I mean? Like if if you're really yeah, right, yeah, it's it's an an interesting situation that's kind of unfolding here. So we have um, Daniel Kelly. The the, he is you know a very far right justice when he served uh, on the Wisconsin Supreme Court for about four years under his appointment. Uh, He was appointed in 2016, and then he lost his election in 2020. And he was very very far right justice. You know the the. (laughs) <laughs> to just give you a sample of how far right the the conservatives on the court are in uh, in the state of Wisconsin, three of them, not including Kelly, but three of them voted to overturn the 2020 presidential election here in Wisconsin. Uh, and Kelly is certainly aligned with that far right wing uh, on the on the court. Um, you know, Jennifer Doro, a very conservative candidate as well, um, but she. Certainly is she is being endorsed kind of by, you know, one of the members of the court who is retiring, Patience Rogensack, who, you know, is is maybe not quite as far to the right. But Kelly is very aggressively campaigning against her. Today, there was a story in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, where they reported that Kelly has questioned her qualifications to be on the Wisconsin Supreme Court. So it's, it's not like these are just subtle little digs going back and forth. These are these are serious accusations. And I think, um, you know, I think that is only going to heat up over the next couple of weeks here. I mean, you would think that conservatives like a, a, a woman who thinks that there should be beer at shooting ranges. That seems like it's right up their alley. No. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the stories that came out about Jennifer Doro in, in the campaign here, uh, that she and her husband are opening a shooting range that serves alcohol. Serves alcohol. I, I saw a number of national outlets pick this up uh, as if it was. And honestly, I think uh, I think that there are going to be a lot of Wisconsin voters who are going to like her more because of that. To be perfectly honest, yeah. Considering this state's relationship with guns and alcohol, I was going to say just throwing some cheese curds, and that is your platform. I mean, come on. I know, I know. It's it's about right. So I was going to say, like that, that might not be the. The best line of attack uh, that that liberals could be going after her with. No, I was. Uh, I have to tell you, I was in Racine. I, I probably should have told you. Gosh, I should have told you. I was at. Well, I don't know if you want to go to the Moose Lodge in Racine, but we had a uh, packed house, and I sell T-shirts afterwards. Uh, the shirts say, "Just because you can talk doesn't mean you should." And uh, I was selling, and I sold a lot of them, which was interesting to me. And then this guy was hanging around after.
afterwards. And I told him that I have this radio show and it's sponsored by Minocqua Brewery. And he goes, Minocqua Brewery? You mean that lib up north? All those libs? And I was like, oh, look at the time. Let me just get my uh, suitcase and uh, get out of here because this seems really <laughs> awkward right now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, I was. Wisconsin for you. <laughs> you know, what I love. Uh, I was in Racine, and there were a lot of people who not. It's one thing to have your Christmas decorations still up; it's another thing to t- to still turn them on. Those are two different things. I was fascinated. Are yeah, you, right. Yeah. <laughs> Some people like to keep them up until the snow melts. Fair. All right. They want to be. Uh, you know. They want to be festive. Okay. So the there's a lot of of uh, infighting and attacks uh, with the conservatives. So how is Janet doing in regards? I know that she's she seems to be doing well. Uh, and uh, who? I'm sorry. Who's the other liberal on the ballot that they are challenging each other? Yeah. So there are two liberals on the ballot. There's a Milwaukee County Judge Janet Fortasiewicz, and there's a Dane County Judge. Uh, his name is Everett Mitchell. And, you know, I think Mitchell is a really compelling candidate, and I think there have been a lot of progressives who have, you know, really revere him and, and really are invested in his campaign. But at the same time, we saw some of the some of the fundraising numbers come out, and not only was Mitchell in fourth out of the four candidates, he was pretty far in fourth. Uh, and, you know, is it money in politics is such an ugly business, and you don't like for it to come down to that. But in a race this with the stakes that being that they are, um, you know it's it's going to be and it's going to be difficult to see how Everett Mitchell has a path forward in this primary, especially as Janet Protasiewicz continues to rack up many key endorsements from you know groups that could really impact turnout. You know, over the past few weeks, she's gotten a number of key endorsements from unions. Uh, and I think, you know, in a lower turnout race, if you have a union backing you in this in, in a race, that's going to that's going to impact turnout. Those members are going to see that endorsement and head to the polls. Um, so you need, you know, some of those organizational endorsements that are going to impact turnout. Those really have not been coming Mitchell's way. They've all been going towards sewage. And I think, you know, particularly with the abortion rights issue uh, being so front and center, you know, is she, is she's going to get a lot of national money uh, coming into this race uh, once the primary is over. Uh, and, you know, provided if she does indeed uh, emerge as one of the top two candidates, which I think is very likely. Um, so I, I, I think, uh, you know, it's there hasn't been a lot of infighting. There hasn't been a lot of attacks between, uh, you know, Mitchell and Prostewitz. Um, and I think Mitchell is, is, has been out there. He's been campaigning. He gives a really good interview. He is really compelling speaker. Uh, he's also a pastor, you know, so he has a, he's really able to engage with an audience. Uh, but it's just that, that fundraising and that organizational uh, endorsement factor that that really has not been coming his way. Uh, I, I uh, we've been close to primary day. Yeah, I've been I've I've talked to a lot of candidates in this uh, in the last since I ran for office, and I I understand where people are coming from, and and I and I I'm the same way. I wish it didn't come down to the money. There's you know folks, it, there's and this doesn't mean that you have to be independently wealthy and you could only run if you're a millionaire. That's not what I'm saying because right now the way a lot of people look at it is it's kind of like no one wants to be the first person to say yes. But once they see that other people are saying yes, uh, they're like, okay, I want to be in on this this business, right? You have to think of a campaign as a business, and you are asking people to invest in you because you are going to create uh, representation 
representation or, you know, going to be a person who reflects values. It's investing in good government or, the uh, you know, s- stronger ju- justice system, whatever way you have to think about that. But I try to encourage folks to think of it that way when they're running for office and not just, oh, it shouldn't come down, come down to money. It, it's it often, unfortunately, does. And uh, I just I can't stress it anymore because when we talk about this, right, Dan, we talk about it shouldn't come down to money. We've just got to think of a different way. I, I don't see unraveling this system now. Do you? No, it's, it's, this is the system we've got for this particular election. <laughs> it's not going to change anytime soon. Yeah. And, and of course, and I think, you know, it, I wrote about this a little bit in my column today, is that these fundraising numbers matter beyond just the simple counting totals, not just because of the reality of needing the money to fund a competitive statewide campaign, but it's also about consolidating the degree of support necessary from various backers that could influence turnout. Yes. And, and it is, and, and that, Money is a reflection of that type of coalition that you, that a candidate is, is going to be able to build. Right. So I think, you know, being that this is a spring election in an off year, it's not like, uh, you know, would be riding the, the coattails of a presidential candidate or a Senate campaign or, or whatever it might be. You know, this is, this is an off year, low turnout election, and the stakes are really, really, really high. And Janet Protasiewicz raised about a million dollars in 2022, and Everett Mitchell raised about one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars. It's right. just a huge, huge difference. Yeah. So it's such a huge factor uh, at this stage of the race. It really, and I know we've we've focused a lot on the Supreme Court. You also have uh, school boards and other municipal races. What are, are some of the other races that you're looking at? Yeah, so there, you know, there's there's some mayoral races around the state, not in Milwaukee where I am. There's one in Madison. I think there's one in Green Bay uh, that's going to be really important. But one of the races that I'm looking at in the Milwaukee area, at least, is one for uh, state senate. There's an open state senate seat following uh, Republican resigning, and this is in one of those suburban districts that used to be a really strong Republican stronghold that has been shifting towards Democrats in recent election cycles. Now, the the Republicans being who they are, they they saw that coming and gerrymandered this district about uh, to give them, you know, an even more of an advantage. But they are potentially running into uh, a real problem with the candidates that they have running uh, in this race. They have a couple of very Trumpy, very election denying type of candidates who are running in this uh, state Senate district. And you're seeing, you know, kind of a, uh, the Democrats employ a strategy that they did to some success last year where they're, you know, kind of attacking one of the candidates. Her name is Janelle Branchin in a way that would perhaps elevate her among conservatives. I think you saw this a little bit in your gubernatorial race in Illinois, right? Yep. Um, and, and so they are deploying this strategy because I think uh, the Democrats in this race want to be going up against Janelle Branchin because she is someone who uh, was real kind of bomb thrower post-2020. She wrote that the election should be overturned. Uh, she campaigned with Trump. She campaigned with uh, all kinds of election deniers. She was the head of the Assembly's Elections Committee and held all sorts of ridiculous hearings over the last couple of years post-2020. Uh, and I think she is the type of candidate that the Democrats have had certain success against in uh, in the midterms. So I think they see her as, as the most likely candidate uh, to really go against. There's another candidate in the race who's not exactly a moderate by any means, Dan Canodal, but he's getting backed by some of the state uh, and national party money uh, that that is going into this race. 
Uh, he he is also one of the you know one of the many uh, state legislators in the state who sent a sent a letter to Mike Pence before January six asking him not to certify the election. <laughs> so he's also far from being uh, away from those types of attacks either. But I think comparatively between the two branches, it's just really 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 far out there to the point where she has been shut out of the Republican caucus. Uh, in the state assembly, because she is too extreme, even for the very extreme uh, Republican-controlled state assembly here in Wisconsin. Wow. Well, it's it's a, it's a lot going on north of the border. Believe me, we have a, a lot of our city races, as, as you had asked before, and uh, and it is just getting nasty here. I don't know if you saw one of our candidates on. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying you watch Fox, but maybe the clip of one of the candidates, Willie Wilson, was on with Tucker Carlson, and I was just like, and people were. It, it was not. It was not pleasant what people were saying about Willie Wilson in the threads that I was reading. Is that not well received in Chicago? Uh, well, in Chicago. Well, no, people were like, is he is he like a Herschel Walker type candidate? And just a lot of uh, it was it was not great. Uh, I mean, Willie Wilson has uh, has experienced violence in his family uh, and his approach and attitude towards police. He's the one that said uh, that the, the police need to be, uh, you know, let off their leash and be able to hunt uh, criminals down like rabbits. It's not great. No, it's not great. It's not great. It's not. It's not great. And and he's uh, pretty much doubled down every time. Uh, it's it, and yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's I, I I get. Hey, look, if someone's full of vengeance, it's certainly me. Um, but it's uh, there's a way to direct that uh, that energy. Is all I'm saying. Certainly. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, what uh, we where can folks go to find the recombination area and, uh, and follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find my work on uh, Recombobulation Area. We publish at Substack. We have an option for free subscribers. We have an option for paid subscribers. So if you're interested in uh, supporting the independent media that we produce at the Recombobulation Area, covering news and politics in Milwaukee and Wisconsin, uh, you can start with just 5 bucks a month. It's pretty simple. Uh, and then you can also find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer, where I occasionally tweet about things other than the Milwaukee Bucks. Excellent, <laughs> which is which is, but the Milwaukee Bucks coverage is also appreciated. I do have one favor to ask you. If you will to touch base separately, but can you, if you can think of some place where we might be able to broadcast in your area, maybe around the St. Patrick's Day time, or I know it's after the primary. I don't know if I have time before the primary, but if you have any place, any connection somewhere where we can come, all I need is an outlet, like at a bar in your area. Uh, let me know. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Yeah, I'll interview you live on the spot and buy you a beer. If that's if that's what you partake yep. in. Right, excellent. Thank you so much, Dan. All right. Great. Have a All right, thank you. Have a great night. Thanks so much. Let's take a break here. When we come back, I'll take your calls seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. And don't forget to text Carmel, Caramel, Caramel, whatever, however you pronounce it, to seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. And I am getting a couple people who are spelling it C A R M E L, which means that's how they pronounce it. Caramel. I think that's how I do it sometimes. And then I get self conscious and I do caramel. Caramel. Mm. Just going to keep saying it. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive on WCPT Willow Springs, is powered by ComEd. See how ComEd is preparing for a clean energy future at comed.com slash clean energy. Remember when you get to work to hop over to WCPT820.com or the TuneIn Radio app and stream The Stephanie Miller Show weekdays 8 to 11 a.m. on Chicago's Progressive Talk, where facts matter. 
Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. And we want to thank our sponsor, Monaco Brewing, for making these conversations possible. Visit the Patty Vasquez show page on Facebook and find out where you can pick up some progressive brew or choice seltzer in the Chicagoland area. There's also now a choice wine that uh, Kirk is uh, rolling out with, so we're excited with that. He's partnering with a winemaker and uh, We'll know more about that when we talk to Kirk in the next couple weeks. Also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Thank you, Senator Dan Katowski, the CEO of Kids Above All. We are so excited to partner with you and support their mission to help kids reach their potential. Kids who have survived trauma, who perhaps been separated from their parents, uh, who have experienced uh, loss and grief. And we really want to make sure that they feel cared for and supported. So visit kidsaboveall.org to learn more about the work they do and find out how you can help. And we want to thank our friend Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service over at 4080 North Broadway. Make sure you keep his number in your car in case you find yourself in a uh, in a car situation that requires his help, whether it's a fender bender or uh, maybe there's some smoke coming out from uh, your hood. And you're like, Warren, what do I do? 773-248-1200. And you can visit EuropeanUS.com and, uh, and find out about the services they provide. And again, if you bring your car into Warren or have him check it out and he can't fix it because it's just uh, someone else's specialty, he will send you to the best places in Chicago. He's been my car guy for almost a decade, so check him out. And uh, we're still getting some texts in, uh, and I and I would love more texts because I want to give you a chance to win a $50 gift card from Brown Sugar Bakery. Text Carmel to 773-763-9278. And if you can, uh, let me know how you pronounce it. And you can do that through the spelling. Like our friend from the 708 spelled it C-A-R hyphen M-E-L, Carmel, for me, but my daughter pronounced, says it Caramel, so <laughs> we're splitting the vault results there. Another, here's one with Carmel, uh, so thank you for that. Caramel, Caramel, got that. Caramel, see, I'm getting them all. Thank you, everybody, for playing along. 773-763-9278. Brian from Joliet, you've been on hold the longest. What's on your mind, my friend? Hey, Brian. Oh, no. I left him there too long. Brian? Brian wanted to talk about Burt Bacharach. Okay. I'll come back. Let's do this. Let's go to Roosevelt. Hi, Roosevelt. What's on your mind? Roosevelt. Woo, it's windy. Is it windy windy where you are? What was that? (laughs) Were you falling? No, 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 no. What was I going to say? Um, Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Yeah. uh, This you you reminded me of Joe Cocker when you said "Cry Me a River," and that's the song I want to dedicate to my friend Brian. Okay, "Cry Me a River" by Joe Cocker, Mad Dogs, and Englishman. I believe nineteen seventy one. Okay, I was a freshman or a sophomore in high school. That's where that's one of my all time favorite singers. I like that kind of raspy, you know, voice that 
you know, like he, like he, like he drank a lot of tequila or something, you know. Sure. <laughs> but I want to comment on the on the nuts and the crazies. Sure. How did you like our girl? I asked. Uh, I asked Lady B about that. Uh, AOC took care of them, didn't she? With uh, now, are we talking about the hearings? Are we talking about? Because that's exactly right. Oh my God! I I mean, the fact that they thought they were going to have these hearings and be like, "Oh, so you guys were covering up the Hunter Biden laptop?" Well, as a matter of fact, let's show you all the crap that we let Republicans not only that we let you get away with, but also enhance your ability to do it. Like that one about how he said he told uh, all the five, right? The you know Omar Ilhan uh, Ilhan Omar and AOC to go back where he came from, which had been a phrase. Yes, the. Twitter screened for and would yep. would block those people or suspend their accounts and they lifted it when he did it and then and then yep. the rates at which that continued to be the kind of abusive language that people used on Twitter grew exponentially so just yeah that was fantastic but, 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 last comment but Chrissy Teague took care of that didn't she the three words yes <laughs> a, a PAB Right? Yeah. So he called so he called Twitter to take that out. Yep. And I believe that wasn't the only call he made. You know, there was a lot of stuff that he didn't like, he would call up. Now isn't that controlling the media? Isn't that government getting into a freedom of speech? Yeah. These folks live in such a delusional world, and they really did this because they thought they were going to own. They were going to own the libs. You know yep. what? We yep. came in, we paid cash, and we go. Gotcha. We're, we're just going to go ahead and, and clear the thing. table. Yep. And one more thing, Patty. Mm-hmm. You ever notice that whatever he accuses somebody of, he well, this is nothing new. He's he's guilty of, such as what he did with Twitter, meaning the calls. So they're saying that uh, that Biden is connected to China and that Biden is controlling the media, control Twitter and suppressed information and all that garbage. But it was him that did it. Yeah. You know, you know what I think they 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 underestimate AOC for a lot of reasons. Right. Because yeah. they don't like the way she, the way her voice sounds because she is stunningly beautiful. She's a Latina. She's working class. But what do they what do they forget? She knows how to use Twitter. She understands Twitter fundamentally. She recalls all the, like, I remember things that happened on social media. Oh, and, and so she brought the receipts. She had these big, she, Katie Portered it. She's like, oh, how about this? And they're like, uh, 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 yeah, yes, we, we did that. I mean, it's amazing. Here's a bunch of, like, old white dudes thinking they could own the Democrats uh, about social media when they're not even sure how to use a hashtag. Hashtag yeah. idiots. Thank you, Patty. <laughs> of course, Roosevelt. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Uh, let me take a break here and get to your calls at 773-763-9278. Coming up just a little bit, we'll talk to the aldermanic candidate for the 41st Ward, Paul Strubing. It will join me in the studio. Uh, we'll continue our conversation. And when we come back, and don't forget to text Carmel or Caramel or Caramel. However you say it, 2773-763-9278 for your chance to win a $50 gift card to Brown Sugar Bakery. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. 
Now you can text Patty at the same number you used to call us. 773-763-9278. Thanks to our texting sponsor, Camp Kupugani. Register today at multiculturalcamp.com. 773-763-9278. That's right. You can text us to that number. And thank you to our friends from Camp Kupugani. It was great to talk to the executive director, Kevin Gordon, yesterday. And I really do I really do want to go and, and broadcast from there. I, wanna, I just want to hang out and see where the kids go camping. The multi culturalcamp.com and learn about a child summer of empowerment challenge and fun continue to take your calls we've got jim on the line hey jim what's on your mind my friend hi jerry real quick you got me when you said why are you worth 40 million i'm thinking to myself i could really go out with a bang with 40 million right i feel like the orphan i feel like the orphan of the storm after you told me that story yeah how these people get their heads in this kind of money is just mind-boggling uh, but I want to say was today they're um, uh, you know denying science and medicine as usual uh, that in March of twenty uh, you know when the pandemic started March of twenty twenty that it was a deliberate uh, hoax by the Democrats and Fauci was a maniac that wanted to make money and this is on Republican Radio all day today yesterday it was trying to get to the bottom of. Uh, you know, the, that device of Twitter. And today it's the uh, proving that the Democrats are insane and they're trying to kill everybody. All I want to say is, real quick, you got the bubonic plague, killed millions of people. You've got uh, tuberculosis. You've got smallpox in Washington. That was like this kind of disease. Excruciating death it was. And uh, polio, tuberculosis, uh, uh, you've got penicillin in the 20s and 30s he could finally get operated on but it took about 20 years to actually get it out where it saved a lot of lives but you see life expectancy going up with medicine and science and instead of talking about how do we distribute this medicine and science amongst all of Americans and then export it around the world they're talking about uh, the, the Democrats are conspiring to kill everybody but anyway, yeah. that forty million bucks got me big. Anyway, you have a great night. Thanks, <laughs> Sorry to sorry to get you on that. Uh, I was surprised. I was listening on the radio. I think it's come up because she was complaining that she is not making as much money, or, or that she she doesn't really like being in the Senate. We were more than happy to see the door hit you where the sun don't shine. I'm just saying. <laughs> and if that sounds violent, it's it's a saying. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. I'm just. I'm just Saying it. the hitching in the in the yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it is uh, it's beyond the pale that uh, that she's one complaining about uh, the fact that she can't make as much money that she doesn't like it that people are always yelling at her because you say horrible things. It, it's not it's not like it's just happening. Like you're not like some stranger walking down the street. We don't know if you were wearing a shirt that said "I hate people of color and gay people and trans people." You might get yelled at, but if you don't do that, if you don't behave that way, no one's going to yell at you for being an intolerable, insufferable. Ooh, don't use that word. The last one was going to be nasty. I'm just saying, just a horrible person without any sense of empathy or compassion. And I'm sorry, they don't have, they do not have that. Uh, she does not. Lauren Boebert, Kevin McCarthy, all these people who 
and Sarah Huckabee's Sarah Huckabee's uh, speech the other night about how the left is crazy. Please, uh, I know that some of you hate listening to the show. Please tell me what we say. What what it, what is crazy about making sure that hardworking Americans have access to health care, have access to uh, to education, are able to stay in their homes, uh, have. Uh, prescriptions that are not through the roof in order to take care of themselves so they're not making decisions between paying for their homes or health care or surviving. Tell me what's crazy. I, I really want to know what's crazy about wanting to make sure that the air that we breathe and the water that we drink is safe and clean. Please tell me. I, I just I really want to know. <laughs> I'm curious. What is crazy about those things? That's our platform. Workers' rights. Making sure that the elderly are are cared for and have the money that they paid into. And please spare me that all the Republicans in that chamber the other night had no intention. That every single one of them was all on board with protecting Social Security and Medicare the way that it is. Because we've heard Ron Johnson say that it's a Ponzi scheme. We've heard all, many of them say that they are not going to raise the debt ceiling unless we do something about Social Security and Medicare. And I'm glad they all stood up and clapped, but I don't believe that's because they don't like what they say. What they say doesn't mean anything. What they say or do, you could show them a video of themselves saying something ridiculous or horrible. And a week later, they're like, I never said that. Right. Like Mitch McConnell. He said that, uh, that there was no way they were going to they were going to uh, appoint or uh, uh, go through the process of Barack Obama's choice for the Supreme Court because it was an election year and we're not going to do that when there's an election year. And then what did he do? Right. Right away, as soon as Ruth, ba- the news of Ruth Bader Ginsburg's demise, when she died, and we all knew that, we all knew it was coming. He was like, "Boom, let's get Amy Coney Bryant, uh, Barrett, whatever her name is, Coney Island." Uh, no, the, nothing they say or do has any validity. They are they are grifters. They are liars. Uh, they. It's all about power and control, and there's just no there's no way around around that whatsoever. I'm trying to see what the uh, I'm trying to find the source uh, about how much money she has because I, I was my husband and I were talking about this earlier. Like how how is she so rich? I have no idea why she has so much. Maybe it was her husband, or maybe she was I think some sort of investor. Um, let's say. Uh, by the way, ooh, breaking news in the last hour, Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by Jack Smith in the investigation of January 6th. So that is good news. We always like to hear news about that. I wonder if he will testify against the person that uh, wanted him dead, or do you think he's going to plead the fifth? What do you think? Over under on that. I wish we had asked Jim. What's your over under on whether or not uh, Mike Pence is going to testify against uh, the president who incited people to put up a a platform to if a public hanging they said let's get pence let's get is he going to testify that against that guy or is he going to plead the fifth i think it's going to be plead the fifth so uh yeah they're they've subpoenaed uh mike pence so hopefully uh some exciting news coming from that i don't know uh but i would like to see more of it that's certainly for sure what else is going on in your world 7737639278 and by the way when we have uh candidates on from perhaps a ward that's not near you or yours and you know maybe you don't even live in chicago um one is to have a conversation about where we are headed in our communities in Chicago. It does have a, an impact on the overall landscape. And I also uh, want to encourage you, like maybe you 
know someone that lives in one of these wards. That's why I always try to find out the neighborhoods. Like a lot of candidates will tell me all the street borders, and I get that, but I want to know the neighborhoods, right? Like in the 45th Ward where I live, it's uh, Gladstone Park, a little bit of Norwood Park, uh, all of Jefferson Park, part of Portage Park, a little bit of Edgebrook. So that's the 45th Ward, and I'm sure I missed a, a neighborhood there, but that's a, that's a 45th. Uh, I can tell you right now, I believe uh, the 41st Ward includes, and, and Paul can uh, and help us out with that too, but it's going to be all of Edison Park, all of Nor- almost all of Norwood Park, and uh, it's going to have a little bit of Edgebrook. I'm trying to think of what else is in there. We'll find out. Like, and then there's neighborhoods that have uh, that were not. Uh, separate from Norwood Park or Glad- like Gladstone Park is uh, to me when I was a kid it was just the bakery over here on Milwaukee Avenue but there's Big Oaks and Union Ridge which I believe are also now in the 41st Ward so what I would ask is um, if you have friends that live in those neighborhoods and you hear a candidate that appeals to you and and maybe you have a friend that isn't even planning to vote they're like ah eh, you know because a lot of folks um, starting to hear are just already getting burnout and I get that but please find a way to inspire and motivate your friends to vote in this very important election in Chicago or wherever you are, because this really is important. I heard Hal talking about how this is, was it Hal? Someone was talking about how it's like tending the garden, right? You don't always want to do it, but you know that when you do it, it has an impact, right? You put a little, you, you water it a little bit, you pull some of the weeds, and we're nourishing the government that we want to see. So please uh, tell your friends, if you hear, again, if you hear a candidate that you liked, uh, you can jump on our Facebook page or go to SoundCloud, uh, find out where that time is, send it to your friend and say, hey, here's a candidate that's running in your area. Take a listen to, to their platform, uh, where they're coming from, why they decided to run. Uh, so that's uh, that's really uh, how I think we're going to get this done. It's a show, uh, to sh- one, to show up, uh, to share what we know uh, with our friends and family, ask if they're voting, find out what their vote their voting plan is. Are you going to vote early by mail? Are you going to vote on election day? Do you know where your polling place is? Do you know the candidates on your ballots, right? Are you, I, some people just, do they, they check out, they don't want to hear about it anymore. They're hearing all the ads. And there's so, so many mayoral candidates. That's the one I heard someone on Jones' show talking about how because it's such a big field they're worried that a lot of folks will sit this one out and just wait for the the runoff don't do that folks because uh please please show up to vote if you're not registered find out how to register to vote go to the chicago board of elections page and uh, and register to vote if you've moved you can change your address i saw folks on social media like oh my address says my driver's license says some other address you can change your address as well go to the chicago board of elections website and find out how to do that so we'll find out more about the 41st ward race from our friend paul streaming when he comes in just a moment on wcpt 820 heartland signal. Uh, we'll be right, right back after this. Chicago's Progressive Talk. WCPT 820, where facts matter. Well, that's not working. It's just the sound of a computer happening. Let me see if I can do this. I wanted to have a little Chris Jones. There he is. Finally giving in and admitting to the truth Instead of just 
Looking for the Bridge by my very good friend Chris Jones, and I thought it'd be great intro music to introduce you to Paul Stubing, who's running for the 41st Ward Aldermanic Seat. First of all, Paul, am I saying your last name correctly? Yep, correct. Excellent. Let me make sure I've got the right microphone. There we go. How's that? Paul Strubing. Yes? Yeah, that sounds great. Hi. Uh, the reason I say that uh, Looking for the Bridge is a great uh, title for introducing you is because uh, you are running in the 41st Ward, which is uh, the neighborhood I grew up in, I'm very familiar with. And I grew up in a household where my dad was a Republican, my mom was a Democrat, and that's pretty much what you're looking at uh, across the board. I, my mom was from Mexico, my dad was Irish. Uh, I am the, the 41st Ward <laughs> incarnated uh, because you have a lot of conservatives and a growing population of people who are looking for for Democrats, uh, whether it's because of unions, uh, because of health care, property taxes, all the things, uh, community services. So, hi. Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where, where'd you grow up, Paul? So, I grew up in Arlington Heights. Okay. Um, I went to Prospect High School, and then I you know, went to Miami of Ohio for college. And um, my mom and my wife both grew up in Edison Park. So, after law school, we decided we were going to start a family. We it only made sense to move back. I live four blocks from my in-laws and four blocks from where my mom grew up. How cool is yeah. that? So Edison Park is where your parents are from. Uh, it's, a, it's a really, it's a beautiful neighborhood. Uh, really fun uh, dining, you know, choices up and down, uh, whether it's Northwest Highway or over there by Moretti's and uh, all those. I do miss Don Juan's, but they're now in uh, Park Ridge, which is not too far from Edison Park. Uh, so what, what did you study in college? I was a history and political science major. Um, studied primarily on history, though. I was I studied RFK's '68 campaign was like my thesis in college, and um, worked on that. Ran students for Barack Obama in Ohio as the student coordinator um, statewide, and after Barack got elected, decided I was going to go to law school. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. Where'd you go to law school? Loyola here in Chicago. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent school. What kind of laws are you practicing? So I do civil litigation defense. Okay. I represent transportation companies primarily. Okay. So, yeah. Keeps me busy. And how long have you lived in Edison Park? So we've lived in Edison Park since 18. We okay. bought our house there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've been around there our whole lives. My mom is one of seven, and her family's everywhere around the neighborhood, and, and my <laughs> wife's family's everywhere around the neighborhood. My dad grew up just, you know, just north in Niles. Um, his family actually is Schmeiser's Butcher Shop, which I'm sure you know. Uh, over on, yeah, uh, on, on Milwaukee, Milwaukee, yeah. Milwaukee near Tui, yep. right? Yeah. So my grandmother's first apartment was above the butcher shop. Come so on. Everybody's from like within a mile of where I live now is, <laughs> is like everybody's right there. So, yeah, it's kind of cool. And uh, what did you think when you moved from Arlington Heights uh, to to Edison Park? What was your thought? What were your thoughts? I mean, you, you know, I mean, you knew it growing up kind of and visiting family there, I'm sure. But living there is a little bit different. Yeah, no, I mean, yes and no. So I I lived, uh, like, in River West and all downtown throughout law school. So I, I, I've been living in the city since 2011 after I, I worked on a U.S. Senate campaign in Florida. And I came back and um, moved downtown, lived in Lincoln Park uh, and a couple other neighborhoods before we decided, you know, before we got married and then decided to move back up to Edison Park. Um, I mean, we were pretty familiar with it. I, it it is kind of what we thought it was. I mean, I feel like sure. Denny Green. Do you know what I'm talking well, it's about? Of, it's a lot of, you have a lot of city workers. You have a lot of union members. Uh, for a variety of reasons, it's a more conservative area uh, politically. And uh, for over decades, we had the same alderman. We had uh, Roman Paczynski was our alderman. And, and there's been a little more turn, turnover in the last decade or so. And I believe uh, Alderman Napolitano is currently on his second term. 
if that's yes. uh, and now running for his third, and you've decided to, to jump into the race and challenge him. What was your catalyst? What was the you looked around and you went, okay, let's do things a little differently. Um, there were several things. I mean, I think first of all. I felt like the ward and our neighborhoods were being left behind. You talked about the great business districts on Northwest Highway and and, um, and all the restaurants that used to be there. And that's that's changed a lot over the last 10 years. We've lost a lot of businesses in that business district. There's more vacancies than I can ever remember in my life along that stretch. And Edison Park and on Northwest Highway is the best business district in the ward. We opened an office on Harlem and Higgins just a couple months ago. Um, and we're paying 875 bucks a month for a three-month lease just because they can't fit, fill the place. Yeah. And, I mean, that's common across the ward. And, um, you know, we got to keep those business districts strong. But, you know, we're falling behind because our current alderman isn't showing up. He's not doing the work. Mm-hmm. Um, Anthony's missed 70 meetings since he got reelected. Come on. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, 70. And those are the committee meetings. They're not like the, the council meeting at the end of the month where everybody shows up and they do the play acting votes. Like everybody's decided <laughs> by the time they get there. You know, all right. the work happens in the committees and he's not showing up in those meetings. And as a result, we're not getting the resources we need um, to keep our neighborhoods vibrant and to make sure that these places were, you know, my wife and I have so much history remain places that are good places to, you know, raise kids, build a life and, and grow old. And um, you know, that's something that I feel like has been shared with pretty much everybody I talk to. I, you know, when we ask people at the doors whether they think their neighborhood's moving in the right direction or not, uh, it's almost unanimous that they don't. Incredible. Um, yeah. And it's connecting the issues with Anthony not showing up and not getting resources to that, you know, that is, um, we have to make that connection for them. But when they get that, then, then they're We've, our responses have been overwhelmingly positive, so it's really good. And I know that I, I was at a blog party when I was running because I have friends. I have, I have a lot of friends who are firefighters uh, up on uh, in Edison Park, and they invited me to a blog party. And there were folks who were telling me that they had significant issues, and they kept tr- trying to call the alderman's office and, and with no response. And, you know, in, uh, instead he can show up on Fox News and make fun of uh, mask mandates and vaccine mandates and the mayor and, and talk about the— you you know, violence and things like that. And for the, for most of my life, the Northwest side has been uh, one of the safer neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. We have amongst the largest, I think between us and maybe like the Mount Greenwood area, some the biggest percentage of first responders that live in our communities of uh, folks who are, you know, very proud of being in unions. A lot of, uh, a lot of folks work in construction and a lot of city jobs. And so that, that was something that, that I was uh, surprised by that there were folks who were not f- pleased with uh, the direction that the neighborhood was going in. Do they talk about, uh, oh, you mentioned um, that Edison Park has a great uh, business area, but it's been falling off. The same thing in Norwood Park and that stretch between Raven and even uh, like where, thank God for Zia's, but unfortunately that leaves an empty space Mm -hmm. uh, down by you. But it's it's struggled there too in Norwood Park. Yeah. And I mean, it's, they're all struggling and, and, um, you know, we really need to have a plan to uh, build for the future there, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. For the last price since Prohibition, Edison Park has kind of been like the American car companies before the Japanese came in because they didn't really have any competition. Norwood Park was dry for a very long time, mm-hmm. and Park Ridge was dry. And then when Park Ridge was no longer dry, we got left behind. And, and, and we don't have a plan at present to address that and to take advantage of the opportunities that are coming our way as a neighborhood in the next 10 to 15 years. And if we don't start improving the built environment, it's not going to get better. Uh, because in the post-Amazon world, nobody's going shopping unless there's an experience that they enjoy. 
nobody's going, you know, outdoor dining is a major part of the dining experience now. And nobody wants to be sitting on Northwest Highway when cars are driving by at 55 miles an hour on a hot summer day when there's no shade. I mean, so we, we need to be looking towards the future so that we can continue to have these strong business districts so this can continue to be a place where you can walk to places. And, you know, that was that's a big part of why a lot of people live in our neighborhoods is because it is convenient um, and it's convenient to the train and all that stuff. So that's something that we really need to work on and, and something that I've worked on with community council in the neighborhood. I'm vice president of the community council in Edison Park. We got over 800 signatures calling for a street redesign um, on Northwest Ooh. Highway because somebody got hit and killed there. And it was at a known traffic spot that was dangerous. It was um, <clears throat> just east or just west of the light um, right in front of Cafe Touche there. Right. Um, and that's a place where there's a, hot, a lot of foot traffic because it's right by the metro station uh, on Oshkosh and Northwest Highway there. And, um, you know, there had been complaints about it for years. And uh, we did this study. We, we asked for this study. We got over 800 signatures for it. The study got done. Nobody's seen the study. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. And that is that is an area. So I used to, by the way, I also used to be a, a cashier at the Edison Park Foods, which is now closed. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be developed for, uh, is that being developed for apartments, for condos? They don't know. So oh, it, was, uh, it was initially um, thought that it was going to be developed for child care, um, but that seems to have fallen through. It is currently up for lease. So you're talking about Happy Foods, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the other thing that's really unfortunate about the neighborhood or that's become unfortunate is that um and changed for the worse is it's now a food desert so there's not really a grocery store within a couple miles like within a mile of that neighborhood and same with nord park there's not a grocery store there either and for elderly folks who walk in it can't drive with the cta being unreliable Mm -hmm. and not being able to drive to a grocery store i mean they're it really limits their life and you know it's something that we should be thinking for, you know, forward thinking on, and that's just not something that our current alderman's interested in or been doing at all. Encouraging, you know, businesses to come in because for you know most of my life, before it was Ada's uh, grocery store on Northwest Highway, it was uh, the North Park Pharmacy, and uh, and there was a subway there. I mean, it was it, it's always been sort of spotty as far as like businesses that come in and stay. But for some reason, I, I always remember, you know, it should be walkable. We should be encouraging people to, you know, we, we're getting better about shop local, eat local and things like that. But if you don't have those options, you're going to get on, you know, you're going to go up to Niles or you're going to go to Park Ridge, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. When they change their liquor laws, they now have a, a really thriving restaurant scene. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's I, 10 years ago, Park Ridge was like, you could not fill space over there. Everything was empty. The Pickwick was empty. That was the only thing that really had anything going on was the Pickwick because it's still in the movie theater. Now it's you can't find space over there, and um, and it's just a totally different ball game. Um, and we need to get up, we need to get our game and the other neighborhoods in the Forty First Ward up to par so that we can compete. And with the Bears moving to Arlington Heights, it's a big opportunity, but we have to have the infrastructure in place and the plan to deal with it and to to take on um, all that. To be ready to take in that money and, and to take advantage of it. And we just aren't. And I think collaborating with uh, with Alderman, too, because it's the same thing up to, up the Milwaukee Corridor and then Northwest Highway. You've got, I mean, Northwest Highway is fascinating. And, and I, so for folks who uh, are, are uh, trying to figure out where the 41st Ward is, uh, I was mentioning what neighborhoods. Let folks know what neighborhoods are yeah. in the 41st Ward. So it's Edison Park, Norwood Park, uh, Big Oaks, Union Ridge, Oriole Park, and O'Hare. 
Um, Oriole Park was the one I forgot, and obviously yeah. O'Hare. I mentioned Union Ridge. It's funny. I was telling folks when I was a kid, like we didn't call it like Big Oaks, and you, I didn't even, you know, that I did not know that there was a cemetery there mm-hmm. until about a decade ago. A friend of mine, he was divorced, and uh, and he was he they were sharing custody. He's like, yeah, I was out for a walk, and I we decided to go to the cemetery with his kid, uh, and I was like, what cemetery? You're like St. Adelbert's? He's like, no, it's this place right off of the Kennedy. It's a fascinating ce- cemetery, by the way. It's got a lot of a lot of history. Yeah, um, I've never been in there. Which uh, which really reflects our community. Uh, it's, it was from the Civil War, mm-hmm. and that uh, I can go into because a friend of mine is a historian, but um, that that neighborhood is is fascinating because you have Taft High School, which draws a lot of, obviously, you know, families. It, it, it wasn't a great school for a long time, but now it's got a great IB program. They have a, a great uh, freshman program, which actually I think is in Spasato's ward, right? But it's, it's a growing program, isn't it, at Taft? Yeah, and it's crazy large. Like the swath of the city that Taft covers is enormous. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. It's all of 41. It's a lot of 45. It's a lot of 38. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's pretty much the entire northwest side until you get to Lake Shores High School, which yeah. is Irving, like northern Irving Park, I guess, I would say maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's so it's it's crazy how many kids are within that district. It's just unbelievable. So, uh, but yeah, Taft's a lot better than it was. Um, you know, when my mom was growing up in the neighborhood, and even when my wife was growing up here, there was no way you would send your kid to Taft. And I didn't. It's, it's I not, didn't go. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a not. It's, a, it's definitely a much better option for people. Um, but yeah, and I mean, it's a neighborhood that I wonder what it was like before they put the interstate in there because, like, right? I. It just cut the neighborhood in half, basically, and um, yeah, it's just it's interesting, and it's it's uh, it's um, it's cool. It's we're really having a good time of it, and uh, you know we're making a lot of progress, which let's, is great. Let's talk a little bit more with uh, with our friend Paul Strubing, who's running for the forty first ward aldermanic seat. Before I go to the break, so that folks can check out your website before uh, while we're talking, where can folks find out more about you? Yeah, so the best way, place to look is uh, Paul for forty one dot com. P a u l f o r four one the numbers dot com. Go there if you want to get involved, uh, sign up, or, you know, send us a few bucks to help us get over the finish line here at Excellent. the end of the race. Excellent. And, and what I've also been telling people is they, they might not live in the 41st Ward, but we have an audience that has friends, you know, people have friends and family everywhere. Uh, and, and, you know, you may not live in the 41st Ward, but investing in candidates like Paul means that you're investing in good government and, and really helping Chicago move forward when it comes to helping people where they are. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Baskin on WCPT 820. We are joined by Paul Strubing, who's running for the 41st Ward Aldermanic. See, I'm just looking at catching up with a couple of uh, texts. Uh, I'm always driving when you're on, Patty. I had a brief stop, and I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, oh, you're a beacon of goodness. That's too much. Too much. But that's very sweet. Thank you very much. And uh, hi, Patty. I'd love to hear you interview Sam Nugent, who is the alder for the 39th Ward. I'm asking folks to recommend, because I can't, I'm not going to reach out to every single candidate, so I was glad that you reached out, uh, Paul, because uh, I, if folks want to come in and tell their story, I'd love to hear from them. You have 
happen to be running in the neighborhood that I grew up in, uh, the 41st Ward, which is a neighborhood that I love. And uh, I, uh, I, I've i watched from afar some of the caustic things that the, the current alderman has said on, on, a, on a variety of topics. Uh, you know, a lot of people think of the alderman as the guy who or the person who replaces your garbage cans or fills the potholes or you call when the branches are down. But they also have a role to play in the in, in talking about the values of the community and what you want to see reflected. What are some of the things that you've uh, seen him work on or, or talk about that folks should really know? So it's a lot of it's like what he doesn't do. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't do a lot, uh, which is a problem because we're losing out on resources. But he also, like, you know, when the um, lead service line replacement program came up for a vote in city council, he voted against it. 50% of water tests taken in the 41st ward come up positive for lead. And it's not a huge amount of lead, but any amount of lead is unsafe for kids. This is a guy who spent his whole last eight years talking about public safety incessantly. But when it comes time to do things that actually make our family safer, like enforcing speed limits, um, you know, replacing lead service lines, keeping uh, vaping products out of the hands of kids, he's voted uniformly up until this year against every regulation of vaping products that were intended to keep those products from kids. He voted against enforcing speed limits, um, and he voted against you know replacing lead service lines. Those are all public safety issues, and he's voted against you know repeatedly voted against you know police funding, uh, pension funding. I mean, this is a guy who you know claims to be standing up for working people, but voted against the water tax, which was like less than one per, one penny a gallon tax on water, so that we could keep the municipal pension fund funded. I mean, like, I don't know how you can go run into a fire with somebody one day. And claim that you know, or expect them to have your back, but then go and take a tough vote in city council. Have to take a tough vote in city council and not be able to be counted on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in a union house. My dad's a union carpenter. A pension is more than a promise. It's something you earned. It's something that you should get every, and you're entitled to. And, and you know, when I'm there, I'm going to fight to make sure that we get every cent for those guys' pensions. And Anthony can't be counted on for that. And um, you know, he's just not showing up when they need them. And uh, when we tell people that and when they learn about that, that, that really opens their eyes to the fact that, you know, we need new leadership where we are. So, Did he, when asked, I'm sure that constituents have asked, and I don't know if you've heard from folks, what has he, what, what excuse has he given for voting against replacing lead pipes and, and keeping people safe? I'm no answer. I don't know. No I mean, you have to that? ask him. I, you know, <laughs> no asked, that would be a, that'd be a big question for me. Yeah, why? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Why. Is it like I'm guessing it's a regulate? We don't regulate. Uh, you know, it, it just doesn't make I any have sense. No idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and he's also, you know, consistently voted against, you know, uh, LGBTQ rights. Mm-hmm. He's voted against um, protecting choice. You know, I want to represent everybody, um, and. Anthony's made it clear that he's doesn't, and you know he's excluded people from the people. You know, he, if you're, yeah, I mean, he just has shown that he doesn't care, and he's not going to show up to do the things. I mean, we had a a forum a couple weeks ago. He just didn't show up. He didn't even show up. No. And you, did you know ahead of time that he would not be available for this forum? Um, we had spent. It wasn't us, but the people that were putting it together spent about two two and a half weeks trying to get a date with him. Uh huh. And then he strung them along for about two weeks when the person who was talking to them finally said, here, we're going to do it this day. You know, let us know within 24 hours. If you have another date, we'll make it work. But like then he finally was like, no, I'm not going to do it. 
Okay. I can't show up. And we, you know, and we hoped he would show up. And there's another one set for the 23rd at St. Monica's. Everybody should come out. Um, but it's not a debate. It's just a forum. And we're going to, you know, each of us is going to have 10 minutes to present. Um, I think the voters of the ward are entitled to have a conversation about the issues that they're facing. Um, and he doesn't want to have that conversation because he can't defend his record. Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes him, it opens him up to have to uh, to talk about it, to take questions. We uh, we broadcasted from the uh, Copernicus Center uh, a couple weeks ago uh, for the 45th Ward Aldermanic uh, Forum, and it was, I mean, I, and I interviewed a candidate from the 24th Ward while we were there, and, and she came and met me at the in the lobby, and she couldn't believe it. She was like, I mean, everyone showed up, every candidate was there. There were like there were just probably like seven, eight hundred people. It was amazing, and it, it's a shame that people f- feel. Like they can't even, uh, you know, have a forum where the candidates lay out their platform, explain to folks, you know, why they're running, what they're running for and that kind of thing. And, and I just I don't get that. So it's good that you're showing up. Uh, do you want to hang out or do you need to get, get to no, work? All right. Let's, I hang, let's, to let's, uh, let's <laughs> you do have a lot. To I mean, do. I not know at we, the moment that we had blocked this out for, uh, for yeah. seven o'clock. But I, I also don't I, you know, I also never know if there's like something that comes up and and you've got somewhere to be. Paul Strubing is running to be the alderman of the four. 41st Ward, again, the website where people can check you out and, and, can, and contribute to your campaign. Yeah, it's Paul, F-O-R, 41.com. Outstanding. More in a moment on WCPT 820. We're driving it home, and I'm your host, Patty Vasquez. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Hanging out in studio with our, our new friend, Paul Strubing, who's running to be the alderman for the 41st Ward and uh, and learning about his platform and why he's running. Part of it is, look, sometimes uh, I know in my community there are folks running because they're tired of having an alderman that is, and I've, I've been very, I, I had been quiet for a long time, but uh, about Alderman Gardner, uh, but when I saw him pull up, jump out of his car and start yelling at a grandmother with kids with her, I, I've just, I've had it. I, I, uh, I tried for years to work with him. I tried to be a bridge. Uh, to the community and uh, and and try to you know and I would text him about like accidents and and he would show up and I, and I and I'm grateful for that but then we hit a wall because he had animosity with people in the neighborhood it, it it became too much and that's why we have five people running against him in the 41st ward it might not necessarily ma- I don't know how he is on social media if uh, Napolitano gets petty or vindictive online but I've seen some of the things that he talks about on Fox News and and considers himself to be a, a darling of uh, conservatives. Um, There's a lot of issues that may not seem like they would belong in City Hall, and yet we do consider ourselves, we are a a sanctuary city. Uh, Our mayor, uh, for everything people want to say, has been very vocal and supportive of abortion rights. And uh, from what I understand, uh, where does does, uh, Alderman Napolitano stand on those kinds of issues, that issue? 
Well, he's not great on them, to <laughs> say the least. Um, so Anthony is one of four uh, members of city council who voted against um, a resolution that condemned efforts to roll back Roe. Um, and, you know, there's no defending that. I, I, he's also voted against resolutions um, that would basically affirm people, you know, protect people from discrimination no matter their race, ethnicity, religion, or gender. Um, he's, you know, repeatedly voted against things like that, which just give the... They give the... Um, appearance of you know people anthony doesn't think those people are welcome where he is and and i want to represent everybody i think anybody you know we should treat everybody well and and equally and and um it's pretty clear from the way anthony votes that he does not and you know doesn't respect women enough to have the choice to take care of their own bodies and make their own medical decisions and um that's really unfortunate and that's something that you know shouldn't he shouldn't be there well you you don't want to we, we gave up uh, th- a lot of ground for decades because we were placated by conservatives who said, oh, you know, Roe v. Wade isn't going anywhere. It is established law of the land. And and they clawed away women's rights every single step of the way because we, we, accept, we accept it being placated. And so everywhere that we can fight to strengthen women's autonomy and access to the full range of health care is important. That's why even if people might think, well, aldermen don't really have any, any role to play when it comes to these kinds of issues, they absolutely do, as you said, for the for the people, not just the women in your community, but families. Because if, if women can decide their future, it determines how they participate in their communities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it is a local issue. It, you know, the Supreme Court made sure it was. Uh, yeah. Because Illinois is the only, it's like an island in the Midwest where abortion rights are. We're accepted. an oasis, the governor says. Yes, too. <laughs> yeah. We are the only choice island in the Midwest. Um and being, Chicago being so close to the borders of two of those states, three actually, Michigan's really close too, um, access has become an issue for a lot of people. And when access becomes an issue for people, it means the people who live here, you know, it's harder for them get, to get the care they need. And, and abortion care is not just abortions or, excuse me, uh, health Women's health care is not just abortions. It's mm-hmm. it's DNCs when you have a miscarriage. Yeah. It's, you know, that's my wife and I, we had a miscarriage before our first daughter. And the procedure that they did for my wife would be illegal in a lot of these states where they're implementing these crazy bills like Texas, for example. Um, so, you know, we need to make sure that we have enough staff, we have enough resources here that we can take care of everybody who's coming in, but also the people who live here. Um, and we got to ensure that that's the case. And, and Anthony's just not going to do that. When you knock on the doors, are there uh, folks who say, you know, do they ask you? Because I, I was asked that quite a bit when I was door knocking. Where do you stand on abortion? I imagine there's probably more people asking that. But does it come up in an aldermanic race? <clears throat> not as much as it would in a state house race. Sure. Um, you know, the thing that people are primarily concerned about is public safety. And um, that's something that, you know, we're taking a much more comprehensive approach to than Anthony is. Mm-hmm. Um, so public safety is issue number one. Um, but people do want to know where you stand on those issues. And, and, you know, past that first interaction, they want to know where you are on issues like abortion, where you are on issues like LGBTQ sure. rights. Um, because, you know, these are issues that touch everyone's lives. And, and um, you know, we should have an alderman who's accepting. And a lot of people love and know people that have gone through these things and or who are gay or, you know, 
trans and, and, you know, they love those people and believe those people should be treated with respect and they believe their government should treat them with respect and I do too and I, I don't think Anthony does when you uh, when you say public safety has been important for folks I, and you know it, we were talking to my friend Dwayne Kennedy the other day who lives in Inglewood and uh, and, and has lived in, in uh, you know communities that are uh, predominantly black and have uh, experienced a lot of violence and what I've told folks and so this is my this is my point of view as one of the I, I was one of the few Latinas and my mom was one of the few Mexicans Mexicans in the neighborhood. I was the only Mexican kid at Anahan in the 70s. Uh, and we could talk about why Taft uh, was struggling for such a long time. I'll say it quickly. It was disinvested because everyone was sending their kids to Catholic schools because black and brown kids were coming into the neighborhood and they didn't want their kids going to school with us. But um, when it comes to uh, public safety, you know, people are seeing more carjackings and violence in other areas because when people are hurting and when you, you know, hold people back, choking them off from access to education and uh, economic opportunities, uh, even transportation without having as much as we do on the north north and west, northwest sides, uh, it's going to spill over and hurt other people. Now they're starting to notice. Uh, so, you know, we when I ran, I know a lot of people said, and this was in 2019 and 2020, that there wasn't as much visibility of squad cars. Like for a lot of people, being able to see uh, a cop car come down your street is meaningful to them. So, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about how the police department is understaffed. Uh, they don't have the numbers that they had a few years ago. Uh, when they when we do, we also seem to be sending our squads to other communities. What kind of things are you talking to people about? Your v- vision of what public safety means in regards to CPD and the presence of police in the 16th district? Yeah, yeah. So, a um, couple things. So, I, I think there's no debate that the CPD is understaffed up here, and because 16, while less safe than it once was, is still on balance, the safest district in the city, um, it's always going to be the one where people get taken from first. So in order to have full staffing in 16, we're going to have to have full staffing citywide. And, you know, we're going to have to get creative with recruiting to make that happen. But policing is not going to solve this problem by itself. I mean, we got to deal with the things that cause violence and lead to violence in really disinvested communities primarily. We need to be providing education to kids that prepares them to compete in the 21st century economy without a college degree. We need to be um, providing public transportation that allows people to get jobs, good jobs. I mean, you might as well be living in Texas in some of these neighborhoods um, if you don't have a car. I mean, it's just, it's impossible to get from place to place. And we don't have infrastructure in place to allow, you know, people to get places safely on their bicycles or, you know, in other modes of transportation. So, um, and we need to be, you know, transitioning as much of the non-law enforcement stuff away from police officers so they can do their job right. and focus on, you know, there's, I think that the literature is pretty clear that, you know, more officers in a place has a deterrent value. Um, but if those officers are spending their time doing wellness checks or um, intervening on mental health crises rather than, you know, enforcing laws and, and, you know, arresting folks who are breaking the law, they're not as effective. So we should be doing everything we can to transition safely um, to alternative forms of response with, you know, multidisciplinary teams that that can connect people with the social services they need. Mm-hmm. Because we cannot have um, a longstanding decrease in violent crime without addressing the causes of that crime and the poverty and the, the things that surround it and that lead to it, um, the desperation. 
um, and you know the lack of mental health care, all that stuff. So I'm I'm for making it comprehensive, while my opponent is putting out this false choice. So you can only have one, right? Um, and that's just not the case. We can do both, and we should do both. And you also have, as I've mentioned many times on this show, uh, again, I said even earlier that uh, the, your neighborhood has some of the uh, large percentage of first responders. I believe in one week, uh, a couple of police officers uh, took their own lives uh, in our communities. And uh, and so, you know, I wish that there was a way mental health plays such a big role in both uh, in how uh, police officers approach their job and, and their own lives and how they interact with the public. And, and that that is significant. I wish that there was a mandatory twice a year something because there's a stigma to police officers asking for help. They're afraid of being taken off the job or, you know, getting a desk job and not having their weapon anymore. Uh, what are some of the things that you're talking to to first responders and how you would plan to support the work that they do? A um, couple of things. One, I I think we need to have a hard cap on canceled days off mm-hmm. and a hard cap on mandatory overtime. Great. Absent some sort of declared emergency by City Hall, you know, these police officers, it's a job. It shouldn't be their lo- their whole life. Right. I mean, I, there are neighbors of ours in the neighborhood who they can't plan a summer vacation. Right. Ever. Just never. They can't. They Their dad or mom is gone all summer. And that's not a way. It's not an enjoyable way to raise a family. And it's a real problem with recruitment. Because if I'm a 20-something-year-old kid you know, who is coming out of college, has a little bit of college debt and, you know, just wants to hang out with my friends on the weekends and have a few beers. I'm not going to become a police officer, even if I want to serve, like even if that's what I want to do. Um, I'm going to take a job where there's no chance I'm going to get shot at and where I have weekends. Um, And it's a recruitment problem for them and and they really need to deal with that. Um, So that, but also providing the mental health services that they need. You know, Every district doesn't have a provider right now, um, uh, in-house counselor. That needs to be the case. But there's also citywide things. So um, there's an op. So when they passed Obamacare, they put in this provision that made mental health had to be on the same standard as, as regular health care, which means that, you know, you don't have to go get re-upped by insurance every time you go get health care or mental health care, in theory. But the city has, to op- has opted out of that program. So now, if you have to get more than seven treatments, mm-hmm. you have to get re-upped every time. You have to get re-approved, which doesn't help the stigma problem. I mean, it's just any friction should be removed from that process so that these guys can get care, or, you know, guys and girls can get care whenever they need it. Um, because, you know, if it's hard, if it, it's just not going to happen because there's already stigma surrounding it and there's not the resources in place to make sure that they can get there. So um, I'm all for providing more resources to officers and and firefighters and first responders and and making sure that they have access to the care that they need when they need it, not three months later, which is also a big problem is there's a lot of wait. Um, If they need care beyond that first level at the, at the district level, they're just, it takes forever and that, that's not helping anyone. Not at all. And you uh, also touched on something I wanted to uh, come back to, which is uh, cycling, bicycles, and, and just pedestrians in general. I've been talking to my friends over at uh, Better Streets Chicago. There's a couple of programs that uh, I'm really interested in that they're championing, including uh, Plow the Sidewalks and, of course, uh, finding ways to uh, really provide a safe tra- ways for people to walk, to ride. Are there? I'm trying to think of where there are bike lanes in like there's, I don't think there's any on Northwest. I can't think of any on Northwest Highway, really. Are there? Yes. yes. So there's bike like a, lanes. Like a small strip. <laughs> yeah, it's very small. So from 
in Northwest on Northwest Highway, like from Milwaukee. It was in forty one. Sure. So from Nagel to to Harlem, there okay. are bike lanes in Norwood Park, and right. then in Edison Park, it becomes yeah. a Sharrow, which. <laughs> Sheroes, I'm not going to say it, but they're useless. Yeah, um, agreed. And and unprotected bike lanes are not very useful either. I mean, we should be trying. You know, paint is not protected, <clears throat> folks. Just that's, saying. That's true. I ride my. I've, I'm an avid cyclist. I rode my bicycle five thousand miles a year before we had our child, um, on an average. So, like, I spent a lot of time on the roads with my bike. But um, you know, we should be designing our infrastructure so that people who are not like me, people who are not avid cyclists can get on their bike and ride comfortably to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, we're facing a, a environmental crisis that, you know, we will not be saved by electrification of our cars. We need to get people out of their cars to the extent possible. We should be building infrastructure that promotes that um, and doesn't require you to be like an experienced cyclist. I've been racing my bicycle since I was 10. I have no problem getting on the road and, and riding among cars. Most people do. And most people think I'm out of my mind. No, I'm, I'm terrified these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I get that. Um, and we should not be. We should be building bike lanes so that people like you don't have to take your car to the grocery store. Don't have to. You know, if you want to pick up something at the store real quick and it's under three miles, you know, an e-bike should be an option for you that is reasonable. And um, you know, I'm, I have a two-year-old daughter. I want to be able to not drive everywhere because I hate finding parking. But yeah. I don't feel comfortable riding around with her on my bike in my neighborhood um, because nothing's connected with bike infrastructure. Right. And, um, and that, yeah, that's basically it. Like, there's no safe way to get anywhere. And we really need to change that. Otherwise, people, you know, we need, we need to make it an option that's reasonable for people. And until we do that, you know, the car is going to be the default. And that's fine. I have no problem with cars. I drive myself. But... You know, we want to be as green as possible on this stuff, and it's a lot cheaper to ride your bike or walk than it is to drive. I mean, you drive your car, you're basically setting money on fire in the gas tank. And um, I grew up on my bicycle, so I never really had to drive. And when I started driving and paying for gas, I was like, this is crazy expensive. Why am I doing this? And so I, I prefer to ride my bike, but I understand why people want to drive, and I want to drive sometimes, too. So, Well, you've mentioned that the other thing that you're talking to folks about is environmental issues. Uh, and I remember when I the same thing when I was uh, door knocking, whether it's, you know, kind of this uh, um, not understanding how our recycling system works. Uh, what is the city doing to support environmentally uh, logical ideas, whether it's, you know, some of these plants and many manufacturing areas, which not necessarily as much in your communities. But tell me a little bit about your your vision for, you know, really encouraging and supporting environmental consciousness. So you mentioned the recycling program, and it is awful. I still don't know what day my recycling gets picked up. Like, just pick it up on the same day as the trash. Do it every week. (laughs) If people knew when it was coming, we would be recycling at a much higher rate. It's like everybody gets one recycling bin. And they never know when it's going to get picked up, so they don't recycle as much as they otherwise would. Uh, you know, we need to make that better. We need to make it more consistent. Um, we should be doing what we can to improve public transit so that people don't feel the need to drive. You know, post-COVID, CTA has been running a lot worse than it was before. Um, way less consistent, way less safe. And people, understandably, are not taking it because of that. Um, we need to improve that to make public trans a real option for folks again. Um, and then, 
Yeah, I mean, and then we need to be investing in green technologies to the extent possible. We live in the 41st Ward, Edison Park particularly, is, um, according to the Chicago Region Trees Initiative, the 18th most at-risk neighborhood in the entire Chicagoland area from a tree canopy perspective. Because we've lost a ton of trees over the last 10 years due to disease. Mm -hmm. And we are between the displays and Chicago River, and we have a very high water table, um, which makes flooding a big problem. When you have no trees, the flooding problem gets way worse because all the water hits the sewer system at the same time, and then it backs up in your basement, um, which is an unfun experience that I've had. Same. Um, <laughs> and so I worked with the Tree Initiative to you know do a tree giveaway in the neighborhood. We're working with them to try to get more um, big plantings in the neighborhood so that we can improve our tree canopy um, and make sure keep our neighborhoods a little cooler. Edgebrook is 10 degrees hotter or cooler than us in a hot summer day, which is crazy because it's only like less than a mile away. Um, and that makes our electric bills go up and it just makes living in our neighborhoods a little bit less enjoyable. So, you know, doing things like that, making sure that our neighborhoods are, you know, as green as possible, putting in green infrastructure like bioswales, things like that to keep the water out of the sewer for as long as possible. It's all stuff I'm for and I would like to see done. And, and you know, trying to get people encourage people to take other means of transportation other than driving everywhere i'm gonna make a pitch for i know there's a constituent in your neighborhood i gotta call my friend actually and see uh, if he's aware of your i mean like if it, i'm i'm guessing you align more with my friend uh joe kilgallen i'm not gonna uh ask his permission to say this he's a, a, a wonderful guy uh lives over in uh in, in union ridge he has always thought that we should have a stop at taft there should be a Nagel stop on the blue line. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the uh, possibilities of that are, but it's a shame that kids who go to school in that area do not have access to a train stop. But I'm just yeah, saying. no. I mean, and, and, and the that bus goes, service that, is that goes really back to bad. when I was a kid. By the way, that's because they didn't want kids coming from other neighborhoods. That's why there's a stop there. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, the bus service is also really bad and not consistent up by us. And you know, I was down at St. Monica's last month, uh, just talking to the senior group, and that you know, it's really hard for them to get around without sufficient bus service because a lot of them rely on the bus to get to church, rely on the bus to get to the grocery store. And we need to make the CTA better. And we need to fill all they got over a thousand empty positions right now. They need to be filled immediately and they need to get back to pre pandemic yeah. uh, lead time so that we can, you know, start going back to work as we did before. Outstanding. We're talking to Paul Strubing. He's running for the forty first Ward Aldermanic seat. One more time the website. Paul for forty one dot com. F O R four one dot com. Please come, you know, check it out. Stop by, chip in, and sign up. Absolutely. Let's take a break here. We'll uh, give him a minute or two to uh, to give you his uh, final pitch uh, the way they do it, the way he would have at the forum if he'd been able to go up, well, at least to uh, have the same format with uh, Alderman Napolitano. More in a moment on WCPTA 20. We'll, we'll uh, give him some mic time, too. It'll sound exactly like it did that night. We'll be right back on the Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We're just busy working on uh, our guest's return date. Uh, we'll be back joining us on the, the night before the election. But voting is open at the super sites. And you can also, early voting starts very soon. Uh, road and library is going to be very busy in the next few days. So I'm sure we'll see you out there with your campaign material. So you've got uh, a minute and a half. How do you uh, how do you sell your pitch and, and, uh, and convince people to vote for you? Yeah, so real quick, Road and Library early vote starts Monday. Um, here's what I would say. Uh, the 41st Ward deserves a representative who works as hard as the people that live there. Um, our current guy isn't doing the work, and he's missed 70 meetings since he was reelected. And people deserve better services. They deserve better representation. They deserve someone at City Hall 
who will show up every day and make sure that they get the resources that they put so much into. The 41st Ward in the Northwest Side, they do a ton for the city. They contribute a lot in taxes. They don't get nearly as much back. And, you know, I'm going to be a guy who shows up every day and fights to make sure that we get the resources we need and who represents everybody. And that's why I'm asking for your vote on the 28th or before then. Um, and hopefully we'll see you at the doors before the election. And don't forget to go to his website uh, if you believe in what he's saying and, and you want to make sure that we have more people in City Hall that reflect the values that we hold dear, which, are free, which is really freedom. The freedom to drink clean, to drink clean water, breathe clean air, uh, to be safe on our roadways in whatever manner that is, to, to uh, feel safe that we will be able to stay in our homes uh, and, and make sure that kids have access to everything that they deserve. Uh, so go to his website, which is... Paulfor41.com. And uh, and help out. Volunteer, contribute. Uh, tell anyone that you know that lives in the neighborhood. So thank you so much, Paul. I look forward to seeing you again. And uh, and have a lovely rest of your evening. Mike Crute's up next with Devil's Advocate. You can say, do you want to say one more thing? No, thank you, Patty. Thanks course, for having us. My pleasure. And uh, thank you, Lady B. Love you. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.